Welcome back, Dirt Bags. Welcome back to the Anchor Point Podcast. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch. Oh, yeah. The official pack sponsor of the Anchor Point Podcast. So if you guys go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out all of their gear. I don't know if you guys know this, but they... Well, you should know this, obviously. They make some of the best fire packs in the industry and all the accoutrements that go with your pack for essential load-bearing equipment and the best equipment out there. Definitely hit them up. And I don't know if you guys know this either, but they make a ton of other packs too. They make hunting packs, day packs, skiing bags. They make briefcases. All of their stuff is awesome. It's made out of high-quality materials, and it is always built for the mission. So go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out their full line of backpacks and load-bearing essentials. Another sponsor of the podcast is going to be Hotshot Brewery, the official, unofficial sponsor of the Anchor Point Podcast, and they support us by slinging our merch. So go over to www.mysteryranch.com hotshotbrewing.com and pick yourself pick yourself up some swag pick yourself up some uh, shirts help pick up some coffee and hell they even got all the uh, little things that you need to get going in the morning uh coffee wise on their website they got aero presses they got pour over systems they got it all and they make some premier awesome coffee so go to www.hotshotbrewery.com and get yourself some good ass coffee I'm definitely a fan of that uh, spot fire button. That's yeah, that's what I'm drinking right now because it's uh, early in the morning. Anyways, a portion of their proceeds goes to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So it's good coffee for a good cause. Check them out. And last but not least, we are brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. And uh, what the AWE is, the American Wildfire Experience, is a project dedicated to collecting, preserving, and sharing the stories and oral history of wildland fire. It's a pretty cool project, and uh, yeah, they have a ton of story, over 100 oral history interviews uh, regarding wildland firefighting dating all the way back to the 1940s. Even cooler, they... Bethany, actually, Bethany over there at the organization has teamed up with Water Axe Pumps and Mystery Ranch to help support you guys in the field. Yeah. So they are doing a limited number of $500 grants to help support you guys who are writers, photographers, bloggers, videographers, anybody with a cool story that that relates to the history of wildland firefighting. Well, now's your opportunity. So go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check them out. Bethany, you guys got an awesome organization over there. Keep up the good work. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 26. Hope everybody's having a good winter. 
Hope everybody's getting their PT on and getting ready, if not have been getting ready for the 2020 fire season. Anyways, sorry about the little hiatus that I took, but uh, yeah, my winter job got a little bit busy and I just needed to take a little break off. Yeah. Anyways, today on the show, we're going to talk about tech. We're going to talk about new things that are emerging in the field of wildland firefighting operations and something that I'm really interested in because I have one, obviously not this system, but we're going to talk about drones and aerial firefighting via drones. It's a pretty cool system. We got Simon Weibel on the show, and he is from Drone Amplified, and he runs the Ignis 2 drone system. Yeah, it's pretty bitchin'. So we're going to go over all the tech specs, uh, its capabilities, and uh, yeah, you guys will probably see it out there in the field. I know uh, he just did a little demo over with the boys on uh, Eldorado Hotshots, and uh, they, those guys seem pretty impressed. So without further ado, hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome to the Anchor Point. All right, dude. Well, you uh, ready to roll? Yeah, let's do this. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, fresh for the 2020 season. Today on the show, I've got Simon Weibel from Drone Amplified. Simon, what's up, dude? How are we doing today? Excellent. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, dude. Anytime, anytime. So you have a very unique uh, job title, if you will. So what exactly do you do? So I work as the uh, West Coast representative for Drone Amplified and our uh, Ignis firing system, which is a basically a PSD hopper attached to a Matrice 600 uh, DJI drone. And we basically are using it to conduct prescribed burns and hopefully eventually implement it in the wildfire scene. Yeah, that's cool, man. And I think that's going to be like, like I said earlier when I was talking to you off, off, uh, off recording, but, uh, I think that's going to be the future of like those quick firing operations. I think it's cool. Yeah. And I'm, it's a, it's a pretty interesting technology and it's pretty sound. Um, basically one of the, the things is it's completely deployable and tactically ready. And, uh, you can use it in a variety of different scenarios. And uh, the goal is that it, it'll be able to make burn operations more efficient and safer and be able to implement it with a higher level of situational awareness. I dig it, man. I totally dig it. So enough about that for now. Let's get back to that. But tell me about you, man. Uh, what's What's your fire experience background like? So I actually got pulled out of high school to work with uh, Grayback Forestry and uh, did a few seasons with them on their Type 2 IA crew and doing project work. And then I left fire for a little bit and ended up getting my EMT and I joined up with the Eldorado Hotshots. They brought me on and then I did three seasons with them and then left fire again when got a degree. Um Worked in marketing and business development and then hated that. So I <laughs> decided to get back into fire. And uh, currently I work as a forest officer for the Oregon Department of Forestry. Hell yeah, man. Uh, Oregon's definitely got some, I got some roots in Oregon. Definitely love that state and love, love the fire program, the fire behavior up there. 
And uh, yeah, a little piece of my heart's always going to stay in Oregon, if you will. That's right. <laughs> nice, man. So, all right, drones. This is like the future of firefighting, in my opinion. I think it's going to, It's. I mean, it's not going to overtake like the actual need for boots on the ground or operational pilots for per se. But what is it all about, man? Where do you see this program going in the future? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's it's so new to fire. I mean, the, uh, the Department of Interior has been working on it for, I think, four to five years. But it's been slow moving and how to how to implement this new technology and where does it fit? Um, a lot of the programs now are utilizing drones mainly for giving incident commanders or crew bosses a better idea of what the fire is doing, where it's at, how to more efficiently deploy your resources. And so it's had sort of this eye in the sky job so far in fire. And it's been slow moving just because it's the implementation of a whole new technology, whole new sector. Um, where our product differs is that it's either one of the first or the first that is actually brings a utility with it. So you get, you, you know, we can still see what the fire is doing with the thermal camera. You can operate at night in smoky conditions. You can see fire behavior. But then you have the opportunity with our Ignis system to actually interact with the fire and burn off islands, widen black lines. Um, I mean, you basically could do a burn up and then walk the fire all the way back to the main fire and control it. So you can control that intensity all the way through the operational period, basically. So if like this little area needs a little bit more heat here, you can drop some ping pong balls. I'm sorry, some dragon dragon spears or dragon eggs, whatever they're called. <laughs> some yeah, dragon right. eggs over there, and you can build that heat, or you can just kind of let it do what it's going to do, depending on your objectives for your burn. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, some of the best thing, uh, parts of this is the app that we developed to go hand-in-hand with the drone in the system. So basically our app, interfaces with the, the matrices control center so the whole drone and the ignis and the mission planning is all seamlessly run through our app and the uh, matrices controller so you can actually you can fly it manually so generally when we do a burn we did a burn just in arkansas and you'll have them start a head fire and then we'll manually fly over it with the drone and it will uh, will drop the dragon eggs along the edge of the burn, and it will track where those go, so we can kind of get a feel for the edge of the fire. And then from there, you can actually, with our touchscreen, you can set waypoints and paths, and then you can decide which ones are travel routes and which ones are burn routes, and then you can separate the spacing by feet. So if you want 5-foot spacing, 10-foot spacing, 20-foot spacing, you can uh, preset that. And then you hit play, and it will conduct that mission. So on the fly, you can program this. You can just launch your uh, aircraft, your drone, and you can plot a course, or you can even preload that course into your app and then just have it take off, and it'll automate that whole entire flight path? Absolutely. Dude, that is awesome. Okay, I got a question for you then. So can you run multiple drones in tandem to do, like, a huge broadcast if you wanted to gain that much intensity? Just curiosity. Um, it's kind of a loaded question because uh, you would need a waiver and uh, there's still work, you know, drone swarms is kind of like a touchy subject. 
Mm-hmm. But in theory, in the future, with the right waivers and the right technology, that's something that could come down the pipeline. That's crazy, man. That's that's wild. And I, like you sent me a couple videos of uh, the bur- like, especially the burn in Arkansas, and then I've seen uh, some videos on your social media as well. But uh, some of the technology that's jammed into this Ignis system is is awesome. You got thermal imaging, you've got topographical map, like built in. I, I guess that's already preloaded though. Um, you got the PSD dispenser. That's insane, dude. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing what drone amplified was able to do with this, this app that controls our system. You can, uh, we use Mapbox, So it's similar to Google earth and you can preload those maps to use them offline. So if you're out in the boonies and you're wanting to conduct a mission and you know, where it's going to be, you can preload these, the, like it's, got the same interface as like google earth and you can preload it on so when you get out there you have it another thing you can do is any uh geo reference pdf maps you can put in your overlay so if you have like a division map or a kmz file with the burn on it you can toggle that as an overlay on and off no shit and it'll it'll land right over it and you can see where you're flying in terms of that and then pull it off to fly it more manually so in besides the burning capabilities of it, what about mapping? You can do that too as well. Um, currently, it's not designed to do mapping, but uh, that's something that down the line could be added. What you can do is the Matrice 600 is an awesome platform. Is If you want to do mapping, you land it. There's four screws that hold the Ignis on and a modified USB can pull that off and throw your mapping on there so it's very seamless like you could go burn for a little come back pull that off throw your lidar on go map come back pull it off you know it takes five six minutes so it's completely mission configurable as far as like the needs go whether it want whether you guys want situational awareness or burning or potentially mapping that's that's killer i don't understand why this drone technology hasn't taken off more but I know there's a, I understand there's a lot of red tape with that. So, absolutely, and I can I can only speak to what I know. But uh, you know that comes with blazing new territory. Is uh, sometimes the technology outpaces policy, training, you know, standard operating procedures, and how to how to actually implement this safely within the tactics and the strategy we already have. Okay. So you can run into that. You know, we can we can develop technology super fast, but then how do you? integrate that into agencies and make it work safely oh yeah i totally get it but that's a cool thing about it like i was telling you earlier man that uh cowboy stuff it's uh definitely a uh i guess a uh it, it's it creates innovation especially within your field and ours it helps us out too i mean it's i think it's wild absolutely and at the risk of sounding a little cliche it is it is kind of the wild west you know we are you know, the Department of Interior has used the Ignis on several incidents and, you know, there's several safety features built into it. So it's not going to fly off and start burning out. You know, we set a geofence as part of the app. So it's not going to if you set that geofence, it won't release fears outside of that. So, you know, a rogue, the idea of a rogue drone just burning off into the distance is, you know, we have several safety features in place to keep that from happening. But it is sort of, you know innovating as we go setting training standards as we progress and uh building the program 
so it's all it's all it's a pretty fun time to be involved with it nice man so speaking of firefighter safety and drone safety and all this safety stuff tell us about some of the safety features besides the geofencing that you just covered um so with the drone you know there's always the question of uh what if you lose contact with it um built into the dji and the app if we lose contact with the drone we have we preset before we fly the altitude and the uh the ability for it to it will just come back so where like you a, launch it from kind of like a return to home function because i have a yes yeah i have a dgi like a mavic pro and uh I always make sure to set that damn thing because I've had it fly away once. Luckily, I found it. Right. And then uh, with the Matri 600, one of the things that's pretty impressive is it uses its GPS and barometer to self-stabilize. So as you're going, if you let go of the controls, it just sits there and hovers. It doesn't you know, veer off or fly away. You know, It has that built into it. So it makes the job of, as, of the pilot that much easier. Because you're able to, you know, just stop, let it hover, configure the app, find out what's wrong, and either bring it back or, you know, you can fix it there and keep going with the mission. Um, another one is the low battery. You know, there's that, the fear that it's just going to stop and fall. It gives, you can set it, but we generally have it around 30%. It'll let you know. And then it has a calculation inside of, um, basically how much battery it's going to take to get back. Oh, no kidding. And once it, yeah, once it hits that threshold, it's going to come back does automatically. That, does that account for like a wind threshold or anything like that too? It doesn't account for that. So that's something that pilots need to, you know, keep in mind. Generally, if you're out there flying and you hit that 30%, you're either going to finish that mission and come back or just turn around and come back yeah. and then swap batteries out and you can go right back into it. That's crazy, man. What about like uh, other aircraft in the area? Does it have like uh, any sort of like high vis strobes on it? Some other aircraft maybe uh, that might be in the area could see it. Yeah, um, no strobes. We do have all the lights that are in compliance with the FAA. So you can see this stuff and especially at night is going to light it up. Um, that being said, I mean, one of the things and that's, you know, one of the sticky points is how do we use the drones around other aviation resources? Yeah, because usually when I see a drone on one of my fires, I just like shut down all air operations immediately. But if it's a sanctioned and scheduled event, then it's different. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's that's one of the things is we're not just launching these. Just willy nilly all over the place, you know, it's a. uh it's a very structured, like starting the mission, you know, there's no other air resources around, conduct the mission, come back, let them know it's done. You know, it's not like, oh, there's five drones up just wandering around the fire. It's very like by the book. I gotcha. That's wild, man. So what about like collision detection? Does it have like the sensors on it, the radar, LIDAR, um, any of the infrared sensors that uh, prevent, prevent it from like running into trees or anything like that? Uh, it does have some like collision avoidance, but nothing too fancy. I mean, it's a, it's, it is a smaller drone and, uh, you're not going to want to operate it out of line of sight. It does have low altitude warnings. So it'll let you know when you get too close to the ground, just give you that little beep, beep, beep. But, uh, and then, and one of the questions that we get a lot is what happens if one of the spheres gets caught in the uh, dropper Do and you guys catches on fire? Are you guys able to jettison those uh, 
those uh, dragon eggs? Yeah. So basically what we have is the, uh, the dropper part of the contraption where the uh, glycol is injected is connected by two steel reinforced uh, tubes that actually bring the glycol to it. So if that happens and you can look down and see that it's on fire, we have an emergency release and it just drops and hangs and allows that to burn off. And you just bring it back, clean it out, put it back in and keep going. And just to be on the record, that has actually not happened with the Ignis. So, but it is a safety feature that we have. Never had a malfunction, never had to clear it jam in the hopper or anything like that? Uh, not so much that. We've never had like a, I mean, we haven't really had a jam, but we also haven't had anything get caught and catch on fire. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, because yeah. I know some of the other uh, PSD devices, sometimes when they jam, they are a son of a bitch. <laughs> they are oh, yeah. A, a, real uh turd to get unjammed sometimes yeah you have a lot of sticky stuff starting to build up oh yeah that's crazy man so as far as like operations go i mean where do you see this thing where does it truly shine so where this where this technology is designed is uh to fill the void between the aviation low and slow missions and the boots on the ground it's not necessarily meant to replace the helicopter in any of its functions that are mission critical, um, like bucket drops, crew transport, you know, casualty pickup, it's never going to do that. Um, where it, where it really shines is sort of at the tactical level, boots on the ground, getting something up, getting an aerial resource that's logistically simple up and off the ground, give you that situational awareness over burns, and then to interact with that burn whether it's widening the black line, you know, accurately burning off islands, and then just also at the same time seeing what the fire's doing where you can't see it. Um, yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, does all this data, all this thermal imaging, all this video imaging, does that get, is that able to be transferred to uh, ICP, like the command trailer, real time? Um, currently, we're working on being able to hardwire it. Uh, eventually, with the as the app progresses that's something that we're looking into That'd be um awesome. really at this point i think in the future we're going to be able to, like at, at the current point you're going to sit there with the app and the burn boss will be looking over your shoulder ideally we'd everyone would be able to have like their their ipad or their android tablet and be able to watch it as it's going and give feedback to the pilot so that I think that's an important part of all this is being able to share that what's going on, what we should be doing and keeping that communication open. No, oh, yeah. I think it's awesome, man. So what about some other capabilities of it? Like what about it's like uh, it's range. What's its range standardized to? Yeah. So the sort of the, the golden max is two and a half miles. If everything's perfect. Um, obviously if you're in a place with more Wi-Fi, more radio signals that can be lowered quite a bit. And then you also have like terrain difficulties, you know, line of sight that can be mitigated by different things. But uh, yeah, generally, I mean, if you can, you can walk a line two miles away and get back and that'll be sufficient. That's crazy, man. And now what about your uh, flight time? How much flight time are you getting out of this thing? And so, yeah, with drones, uh, time in the sky is a big, one of the big hurdles because it takes a lot of power to pick something up vertically and then move it. Um, with with the system on there, 
and every without the system, the Matrice 600 can go about 35 to 40 minutes. Um, with the system on there, fully loaded, you're looking at anywhere between 18 and maybe high 20s, just depending on the weight and how you're flying it. And uh, just to put that in perspective, uh, one of our uh, customers just did, uh, they, I think they did 70 acres in about seven minutes. So, How many acres in seven minutes? Yeah, of flight time. Because this, this thing can kick out 120 balls a minute Holy as shit. it's flying. That's like, really. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot, man. If you really want to run and gun, you can. So you can, uh, you can set it high speed. Um, it's accurate. The, the app actually runs a, the ability to be able to like separate the ball accurately. So if you're set 10, if you set 10 foot spacing and you speed up, it's still going to hit that 10 foot spacing. Oh, it's still like compensate for the increased speed or whatever. Yeah. That's crazy. So you can really, I mean, if you're in a, you're pinching, you really got to move fast. I mean, you can, you can do three missions in that time period and kick out all your balls if you need to really put it down. So, Damn, dude, that's crazy. How long does it take to charge the batteries? So the batteries take roughly 90 minutes to fully charge from like zero to fully charge. And I know the Department of Interior has had success with uh, having a like a 4,000 watt generator in the charger and like three or four sets of batteries. And that allows you to run this thing nonstop. You Just know, you're going to come back, reload, day. switch the batteries out, keep it going. You know, run your missions, come back, switch the batteries out. And by the time you make it all the way around, you have a fresh set of batteries to keep going. That's wild, dude. You know, that's pretty cool, too. Though. I mean, it, we always are very dependent on pumpkin times, right? The time that you have to absolutely be back with the actual rotor wing or fixed wing aircraft, right? What's cool about this that kind of uh, stood out to me is this thing is operable at night with <coughs> thermal vision and all the night vision stuff, all the gear that it has strapped onto it, you can actually do a lot of work at night when it's the best opportunity to burn. That's where I find it, like, insanely beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. And even, uh, I mean, the night off stuff, there's a video that the Department of Interior put out, and you can just, I mean, you, there's no question of where you're, uh, where you're putting balls, and you can see the people on the road holding. You know, you, you can set the temperature to see the fire so you can see the fire a different color and uh, really just see what's going on and uh, operate it like it's daytime. That's and then even, even high winds to a certain point, but uh, smoky conditions, conditions where helicopters wouldn't necessarily be able to fly. You know, that's, that's the void where this product is looking to fill. You know, it'd be really cool. Uh, I could see this working really well, like somewhere in like the Pacific Northwest or Northern California, especially towards the coastal regions where you have these steep ass drops with a river bottom, basically in the bottom of it. Right. What happens to those every time there's a fire gnarly inversion layer. Right. But right. If you can get in there and put fire on the ground with a natural barrier or a river or lake or stream, whatever accurately with your system through the, uh, inversion layer and the smoke and the fog and whatever crap the <laughs> nature throws your way. Dude, that's, uh, that's insane. Absolutely. And I mean, even, even the fact that if you're, uh, you know, if you're peeling ridgelines and building a big box 
you know, some, I mean, if you're talking about like the six rivers, national forest, there's a lot of that. You don't want to go dive off into with a drift torch and start ripping lines. Oh yeah. So if you can, you know, if you can have this to sort of just work it down into those river draws and you can control, you know, intensity and everything. And just, I mean, basically the cost of this system is one, one broken leg, you know, one twisted ankle, you know, it's kind of like an insurance against that, which is tough to quantify, but you know, just make it that much safer with that much less exposure to ground forces. Oh yeah, man. Especially if like you get a wild or a wildfire use module out there using one of these or a hotshot crew and they can use this and they get all that data and they can basically, like you're saying earlier, it's mission configurable so they can get whatever the hell they need out of the fire and out of the drone right there. I, I think it's invaluable. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it has just so many different uses. I mean, I see a use in the wildland urban interface where oh, yeah. you have uh, structures, you know, and there's always, you know, you go through and you're like, this structure we can protect, we can stay, we can prep and leave. Doing your um, triage. Sorry? Oh, doing your triage. Yeah. And, you know, like if, if you have that prep and leave structure that you would want to burn around, but it's too, you know, too risky to have ground forces in, I mean, you can prep that structure, leave, be a mile away. And when the fire's coming, send the drone in and, burn around the house, you know, and get that, get that fire heading back towards the main fire without the exposure to resources. That's pretty crazy, man. That's the thing. That's cool. That's what I definitely appreciate about the emerging technologies in the fire sector is stuff like this. You know, it's, it's just what it's doing is it's increasing our situational awareness and it's increasing our, uh, our risk reduction as well. So I definitely appreciate it, man. And I hope that this thing actually goes to like wherever it needs to go because uh i think it's wildly beneficial like i was saying earlier yeah and you know it's it's not going to replace the drip torch it's not going to replace boots on the ground it's not going to replace helicopters and fire but what it is is it's going to be a tool that just makes all those that much more able to fight the new fires that we're seeing oh yeah you man. know it's crazy like uh the the dynamic of fire has changed and i've been in it for 11 years and uh the amount that i've seen it change in that 11 years, which is a short career is pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, it, just even with the fire seasons getting longer and the fire behavior getting more intense and, you know, just not wanting to, you know, we can't, I, I think as a, as a sector, we don't want to hang our, our resources out to dry, you know, with these, this much fire activity happening, it can make things that might not have been dangerous, 10 years ago, incredibly dangerous. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that whole thing, uh, reducing exposure, you know, reducing that exposure to risk. And I definitely see the benefit of a drone system reducing that exposure. Yeah. And I just think, you know, we're at a time period where, you know, the more tools we can have that make our job easier, more efficient and safer, you know, we're going to need to start deploying those and learning how to have them interact with our strategies that we currently have. Oh, absolutely, man. So as far as like the capabilities of this thing uh, expanding, because this is a modular system, and I anticipate that you guys are developing new stuff for this, like new attachments. What about like, uh, I don't know, what are some other capabilities that you guys kind of uh, looked at for the future? Um, I mean, tentatively, the idea eventually would be to have a bigger system. 
um, something can hold, you know, I think for, for the, what we talked about, you know, the, the payload right now is about 450 balls when it's maxed out full, which gives you a lot of uh, room to move at a smaller level. I think looking forward, we're interested in a larger Ignis system that, you know, is our, another product that might be able to hold a larger payload, like up to 2000 balls or more. Um, but then you get into a lot of issues of like what drones are on the market. You know, it's kind of, we're like looking to future when drones will be able to lift 75 pounds, you know, rather than eight kilograms, which is what the, uh, Ignis payload is fully loaded. So I think, you know, looking, you know, that would also, there's some FAA stuff that comes into play there, but I think that in the future, it will not be out of the question to have like heavy lift drones running Ignis missions with 2000 dragon eggs. Oh, absolutely. I mean that, I don't know. One thing I was kind of thinking about, this might be a little bit uh, out of the ordinary, but you could probably even airlift uh, medical equipment into uh, like an injured firefighter or something like that too. Like say they need more O2 when they're packing somebody off the hill or packing them over to uh, a a helicopter spot, you know, a medevac site. You can bring O2, you can bring extra stuff. I think that'd be uh, cool with the heavy lift uh, capability. Yeah, or even, you know, even dropping off Mark 3s up a, you know, yeah, up a hose line. You know, instead of having someone try and carry it up, you know, that just, again, saves exposure, you know, limits the amount of stress on your resources and, you know, make it that much safer, that much easier to do the job. Well, it's a force multiplier at that point. I mean, if you don't have to hike, you know, three QBs up to the sling load <laughs> spot or your spike camp or whatever, you can just fly them in with the drone. That'd be cool, man. Oh, absolutely. And again, like, I don't think, you know, I don't think that's replacing helicopters. You know, I think that's what that does is it frees up helicopters to do more mission critical roles. You know, you can do more bucket drops. You can do more crew transports instead of, you know, spending your time, you know, sling loading water up the hill. Oh, absolutely. That's wild, man. So as far as this thing goes, um, what, as far as rollout and implementation goes into your, uh, your land management agencies, your BLM, your U.S. Forest Service, how long do you think until it gets back uh, into that or where it's more prevalent? Um, I mean, that's a good question right now. A lot of the, or a lot of the progress has been stalled out. Um, we talked a little bit about the the China stuff that's going on, yeah. and basically the Department of Interior's 810 drones have been grounded indefinitely because, uh, you know, they the UIS program not specifically, but there's been pressure to remove drones that have been assembled in China or that have Chinese parts from federal service. Yeah, I heard about that. And uh, I know it's it's kind of a, a subject that we can't really go into depth about, but I understand why. But also, I think it's kind of a, a fear that is really illegitimate, illegitimate. Yeah, I mean don't want to spec, you know, there's a lot of speculation of why, why really all that stuff, but basically, you know, it just kind of seems like a, a very sweeping thing to just drop on a, a, a federal system that covers a wide range of missions, you know, like 
there's obviously there's stuff that's more sensitive than other stuff. And granted that probably you want more secure drones doing that, but wildland fire and emergency services, I mean, this technology, you know, can save property, can save resources, can save forests, can save lives. You know, we might not, you know, there might be some gray area there that maybe we use the drones and emergency services. And that is something that's being talked about, like grounding the fleet, except for wildfire and fire operations. You know, it's just such a gray area to speculate on right now. Yeah. But it has, has really halted the progress of the UAS sector in wildfire. So that doesn't, that uh, whole ruling though, that doesn't really affect private companies though. So if someone needed to get a, uh, a drone out there as far as a private contractor, that doesn't really affect them per se, from what I know at least. Yeah. So basically it just follows what everything else follows. So when you're on a federal fire, you have to follow, you know, if you're on a forest service fire, you have to follow the forest service guidelines. Mm -hmm. State fires have their own guidelines. You know, Cal fire can operate differently than the forest service. Um, contractors, you know, if, if you're doing burns and it works, then, you know, no one complains. That's good. You know, they want to take that and put it into the, you know, onto a, a fed fire. That's where the gray area starts to come in of, you know, there's just a lot of unknowns. It's the wild west. You know, we, there's, we haven't been there yet, so we don't know exactly what to do, what that'll look like or how to do it. I understand, man. But I'm sure it'll it'll <laughs> I'm sure it'll resolve itself here so shortly though. I mean, with all these wildland fire seasons that we've had and with the exception of last year, um they've all been pretty insane as far as activity goes and if you can implement something that reduces the exposure and the risk and has these multi-capable uh mission multi-mission capable platforms that are available, then we need to use that use the right tool for the right job, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the Ignis itself, separate from the drone, is all made in America. So our our product is the Ignis. So really the, the missing piece is what platform are we going to attach it to moving forward? You know, we're looking for the American-made platform in case the Matrice is, you know, off the table. So that's that's sort of the uh, the juggling match we have right now is – you know, what platform is going to be the one that's used on fire? Yeah, well, I hope it, uh, re- like I said, man, I hope it resolves itself. I'm sure it will find something. I'm sure they'll come to some resolution regarding the whole made in China thing or whatever, whatever they exempted from the flight program, the UAS program. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this stuff is so new. It's, it, we're kind of still in that leveling out phase of what it's looking like going forward. And like you said, it's not a matter of if, it's just when and how. Yeah. No, totally, man. Well, that's a pretty crazy program you have going on there. Um, I mean, the capabilities are they're amazing. Like, <laughs> what you could do with these drones and the capabilities of them, and plus the future of this, I think there's a lot of potential to be had. So I'm glad that people like you are out there spreading the good word of the uh, drone and UAS program here. Absolutely. And it, it really is a, a technology that you can hear about and it, it sounds cool, but when you see it, that's when it, it all clicks because it's a real, you know, it's a real battle tested technology that does the job. You know, it's not, it's not an idea. And that's the, the other half of my job is uh, traveling and doing demonstrations. And that, you know, that's, that's where we start to get that traction and see, you know, 
you can see what it can do. You can see it flying. You can see how stable it is and how uh, fluidly everything works. So that's that's sort of how we're moving the ball forward now is doing demonstrations. So yeah, that's cool, man. And I understand you're you're actually doing a demo today, actually, huh? <laughs> yep, I'm down here on the Eldorado National Forest, and I just uh, actually took it up and showed it to the guys at Eldorado IHC, and nice, just uh, just to get their perspective on it. Nice. Good feedback. Oh, yeah. Good feedback. Good. Good. Shout out to Eldo. That's right. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, I think that's about the tie in point for the episode. Unless you got anything else to add about your program. No, just, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're interested in a demo, just get in, get in contact with me and we'll set something up. Yeah. And where can we find you? Um, it's Simon at droneamplified.com. We also have an Instagram account, droneamplified. You can get a hold of me on there, and then we'll just move from there. Yeah, for sure, man. I'll definitely uh, shout you out on the uh, old socials there and share some of the uh, projects that you guys are working on. It's definitely uh, interesting, and I definitely like to see where it's going. Absolutely, and thank you for having me on the show, man. Hell yeah, man. So last but not least, uh, at the end of the show, it's kind of a tradition. Give you the opportunity to give a shout-out to a homie, a hero, mentor. What do you got, man? Uh, give a shout out to Eldorado Hotshot Crew. I mean, it's always home. And then uh, everyone at Drone Amplified. And then Ryan Andre with ODF for getting me interested in drones. Hell yeah, man. Shout out to you guys. Well, guys, there you go. Simon, thank you very much for coming on the show. And we'll catch you out there. All right. Thanks, man. Take care, dude. And boom, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, episode number 26 is in the books with Simon Weibel from Drone Amplified. Simon, thanks for coming by the show, man. It's uh, definitely interesting to see some of the new tech and new gadgets and toys that we get to play with in the field. Uh, I definitely see its value for expanding situational awareness, uh, doing conducting those quick burn ops, and it's user portable, which is pretty damn cool. I mean, hell, thermal imaging, uh, real-time data, dude. I love it. Hell, if you even wanted to burn a, a little bit of a broadcast burn on a prescribed fire, you can even do that. It's pretty wild stuff. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, it, the episode. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to recording a lot more. So, if you guys got an interesting story, definitely uh, hit me up. Slide into those DMs. Shoot me an email. And, uh, yeah, keep tagging us in your photos. I definitely like to see what you guys are doing out there. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Special shout out to our sponsors, Smoky Generation, Mystery Ranch, and Hotshot Brewery. Those are the guys that are making this all happen. So thank you once again, guys. Peace.